Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I am your host, James, and joining me is Joe. Hey, folks, how you doing? Um, special guest host Keith Tarnowski is with us. Hello there, everyone. And joining us is a very special guest who needs no introduction if you've listened to this podcast or in the comic world, but I'm going to give him an introduction anyway because he deserves it. He is the writer of many things, um, including Batman's Soul of the Dragon, um, JSA World War II, Batman Superman Battle of the Super Sons. He is currently wrapping up his amazing fan loved run on the flash and he just uh his issue of green lantern number one just got released so we're very happy humbled and excited and honored to have mr jeremy adams with us today oh i'm a mister wow (laughs) you could be (laughs) (laughs) you could be you could be a sir also we could have sir jeremy Jeremy i've fantasized about how can i save the king in order to get, you know, I was going to say queen, but she, you know, I was like, how can I get one of those monikers, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, thank you so much for being here. We we really appreciate it. And uh, there were lots of things we want to talk to you about and we'll talk to you about. And there was a few ways I thought about starting this podcast, but I'm not going to bury the lead for the audience. We're talking to you the day after Green Lantern number one came out. So. Yes. How how the fans have been very excited. I saw on your Instagram you posted it was like one of the number number one pre selling books yeah. out from DC. Yeah. So how do you feel about all that right now? I mean, listen, uh, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like I don't I don't know how to describe this. I, it's weird because I've been such a I'm such a a kid that was a nerd loving this stuff when it was not cool. You know, this is the stuff that got me beat up, and then suddenly, <laughs> suddenly uh, I'm making a living at it. And, um, you know, I obviously came to comic books around about through the, the film and television world, which is not necessarily how you do it. And, uh, and of course my family is like, this was inevitable, you know? And, and when they, <laughs> when they gave me flash, uh, it really seemed like, I don't know, they just, Hey, you want the flash? And I'm like, yeah, of course. What are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> and, um, I started writing it and, and I don't know if it was just because Warner Brothers was is a topsy turvy company. No one got rid of me after a while, and fans were very complimentary. So it was great because it's suddenly I'm doing this Flash, and it's awesome. So then it's like, okay, we're taking off the Flash. Tears, you know, morning, <sighs> and then they say we want you to do Green Lantern, and um, you know, I listen. I felt like a lot of pressure. <laughs> And I still feel, I still feel like a lot of pressure. I mean, Jeff Johns was really cheerleading. He was like, "Yes, this is going to be awesome. You're going to crush it." I'm like, "I am." You know, like, ah. <laughs> and, um, and and it's hard because you're you're taking over a big title. Um, there's a lot of expectation. There's so much more mythology with Green Lantern, and mm-hmm. I needed to, for my own well being, do this kind of stripped down version where I could get a handle on it. And then hopefully as we go along, we'll get bigger and bigger and we'll start exploring some of the, the bigger aspects of Green Lantern. But, you know, how do I feel about it? I don't know, man. I'm still I'm still like I'm still reeling. People have been very generous with their um, compliments. And, I, you know, I, as I've always been, I just want to do right by the character. I want to do right by the fans. And I just love love this. So I don't want it to stop. <laughs> Well, the issue is amazing. I, I, um, I, I, I got a digital copy. I didn't want to wait and get to the comic book store. So I got a digital copy and peeled through it right away yesterday. Thank you. I really thought it was a, I'm a bit, I've always been a big Hal Jordan fan, even for the times when Hal Jordan was in his dark place. I still <laughs> love the character. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, I even championed the time when he was Spectre. I thought it was an amazing time yeah. for him as well. Listen, I, my feeling is my one of my goals is to make everybody like Hal Jordan because there's not a lot of people that like Hal Jordan. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's he kind of got um, for good or for ill. I mean, uh, the time when he was out of it, I guess, is when John Stewart got to rise to fame and be right. the Justice League John Stewart, um, yeah. Green Lantern. But I really loved your return to Hal Jordan. Uh, it's it's how the, I thought the character could be um, and should be. So I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. I, I have to ask you, and maybe you can't say anything, or maybe it was just coincidence. Yeah. You, I'm assuming you pitched the idea of of the of him being on Earth and Earth, um, Sector Two Eight One Four being quarantined. Is that correct? I, uh, the, the sector being quarantined definitely was something I pitched. I weirdly, this is, this is how strange it is. A couple of years ago when I was doing the flash and my previous editor said, Hey, would you ever want to do green lantern? I was like, sure, this is what I want to do. And it was, it was kind of a, it was 
very similar to what I wanted to do. And then that editor left. And, um, and so Paul Kaminsky, when he asked me to take over, he said, we really want to do kind of an earth centric Hal Jordan. And I'm thinking in my head, great. Cause I already have a pitch for that, you know? Um, so it was kind of a combination of what editorial wanted, wanted Hal Jordan on earth, having adventures and, a pitch that I had in terms of the quarantining of sector 2814 and why that could be. And then just finishing up, you know, Jeff Thorne's run and reading it and seeing all the threads that were left over was very exciting for me as a, as a writer, because I felt like there was a lot of air, ways I could go and, and a lot of mystery to be had because there was a lot uh, some very big changes at the end of that particular run that I think will give rise to some really cool stories. No, yeah, absolutely. I look, I look forward to seeing where your run goes. I'm, I'm curious if you, I guess it's, it, this probably has happened by coincidence or parallel. Did it surprise you that when James Gunn talked about the Green Lantern series being more Earth based, was, was kind of similar to th- thoughts you had about taking? I mean, I, we were already down. Yeah, we were already down the road. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because it's that Green Lantern. Well, there was that Green Lantern series that was going on for quite a while. Uh, that they were trying to make. And I knew some people that were writing on it and had gone through different iterations. And then of course, James Gunn took over and he said something like it was going to be more akin to true detective. Um, uh, I don't know what that means, (laughs) you know, so uh, (laughs) um, I, gosh, you know, I, I've never met James Gunn. I would love to, (laughs) but uh, I, I, maybe it is a happy coincidence or maybe he said that to someone at DC and that came down to, Hey, we need to have a Hal earthbound eccentric, you know, centered thing. I don't know. I don't really know. No, it's, I just was, I was just curious because, uh, well, I mean, I'm just curious. Well, it'll be, it'll be great. Whatever, whatever that is versus whatever your storyline goes to, I'm sure it'll be sure to be great. And they'll feed off of each other. But, um, but I, we have like um, Joe and and Keith are are really big fans and huge fans of you too. So, um, so Keith, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, Do you, where where would you like to follow up with, with uh, Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd love to get some more to flash later, but right now I'd love this to kind of talk about his, your first issue of Green Lantern. Um, I, I like Hal Jordan, but I've never been a huge fan. I'm more of a Kyle uh, fan. You and everybody. um, (laughs) <laughs> but I, have, but I love Jeff John's run. It was an yeah. epic. It was amazing. Um, and I got to say, the, the first issue of your run, I was even talking to Joe about it before. My first thoughts when I put it down was, that's the best first issue I've read like, wow. for as long as I can remember. And you made Hal so like um, so likable, but also so competent at the same time, which still has a little right. quirks, his little, you know, his howl, yeah. you know, kind of being let down to his last 50 bucks and, you know, being <laughs> who he is. Yeah. Um, I got like a, a, I got a spark while reading it. I'm like, I really, I feel silly saying it after one issue, but I really like this version of Hal Jordan. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I, I love your flash run, but um, it, you really captured something there that I feel like is going to be, I, don't know, I just feel like it's going to be something special. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. I, I I appreciate that. I I'm I'm trying to look at Hal Jordan holistically in terms of everything he's gone through and where what that might do to a person. And he's not so much the I mean he's cocky, but he's not so much the jerk. Maybe he was in different iterations. And and um, I think my approach is that he's done some growing up, and there's a lot of like decisions he's made and. And he's starting to realize how important. I I don't know. There's something about the DC universe in general, and and I did this with Wally a little bit. Was when I was writing Wally, it just became apparent to me as I as I moved forward that he might be one of the most well-adjusted characters in DC Comics. Even though he's gone through all this trauma, he's kind of grown from it, and he has a family, and he's growing. And like most characters don't, most superheroes don't grow like that. And so as dark crisis was like examining the aspect of legacy, the thought for me about how was like, when you examine the idea of legacy and we're talking about all these legacy characters, whether it's Nightwing or Wally or whoever, or Roy, it's like, but what about the guys that are passing the torch? What does that look like? What does it look like when that guy that has, is seeing these kids rise up and seeing these kids become heroes? What, what's his life, like a life, like, and I, I did that with Barry a little bit. It's like, your protege has three kids and you're not even married to Iris, you know? And right. I think, I think with Al, you know, there's an aspect of that. And the, and one of the first thoughts was like, I wonder how much money he has in his bank account, you know? And, <laughs> and then you know, you're, you're up there in space and all this, the grandeur of it, you're leading, 
you know, these the Green Lantern Corps in so many ways, and yet whatever happened up there made you kind of reevaluate what you were doing and what's more important. And so there's a real maturity there, I hope, that, I mean, he's not going to be perfect like all of us, but it's also tonally, I'm trying to do something, a, a, obviously I can't help but put a little silliness in different things like goats flying off of rocks or whatever, but um, <laughs> I do, I do want to make this tonally different than what I was doing with the flash just in terms of as a writer, I want to try something a little different. And this has a little more soap opera and a little more romance um, and a bigger mystery that's set up. And hopefully I've learned some stuff. So I, I'm just excited. I'm excited because I think the Green Lantern universe is vast and huge and, and, but I want to start small. I want everybody to care about Hal in a way. So when we get to bigger things, it matters, you know, it, and, and having Hal on earth is, is like, weirdly, I don't know the last time he was on earth and interacted with other superheroes and uh, dealt with being, you know, you know, dealing at coast city and, and a girl that he likes that's moving on. And like, is it even okay for him to pursue her? Like there's, there's all these things that I just want to try to be logically consistent with, but I'm having a lot of fun kind of exploring that. Well, I gotta say, um, you're, the other thing I love about your Flash and Green Lantern so far is the little touches that you add to the characters that might not be as noticeable, but kind of sink in. Like I, basically, the the music you chose for this issue that Hal was listening to yeah. is exactly what I would have never thought about, but what I would imagine Hal would listen to, like classic yeah. rock. Yeah, totally. He's kind of anachronistic, right? Like he's the bomber jacket. I mean, it's that's kind of the juxtaposition of that character now. It's like, I'm a hotshot pilot. Oh, wait, no one flies jets. You know, it's like all the stuff that was like, I was cool in high school. And it's like, wait, not much anymore. Like, you know, like, uh, it, it, but he is cool. That's what that that's what I think is part of it is just realizing and what he realizes in the first issue is like, what am I without this ring? And by the end of it, it's like, I'm a hero no matter what. This is who I am. This is what's inside of me. And right. people run away, but I'll run toward it. And I and I love that aspect of Hal Jordan. And and the and the thing I keep thinking about is Hal thinking, the ring chose me. You know, originally the ring chose me. It, it looked all, all over the world and it chose me. And that means something in a in a way. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. That is the heart of the character. You you like keep saying you've nailed him completely. And you know, uh, I guess a little spoilery, but not spoilery. There's a someone else in the in that bar scene at the end too. Yeah, who's on Earth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Earth too, um, yeah. which I'm. I'm really curious where that's that's going. That's I guess part of the mystery that we'll find out soon, right? Yeah, or eventually. Yeah, eventually. It's interesting because Paul wanted uh, Sinestro to be on Earth and interacting with Hal, and I was like, yeah, but that's not a story. Like, I, like I need like why is he there? And of course, that's the when you start asking why is where you're going to start getting some cool answers. And I think I hit upon something I think is really cool, but I I'm very intimidated by Sinestro because it's it's one of the reasons I never use reverse flash. It's like, what can I possibly say about this character that has, hasn't already been said? And, um, and that, that comes with a lot of uh, expectation. And you're dealing with, you know, I'm friends with Jeff Johns, which me saying it out loud is completely bananas to me. Uh, <laughs> but, but like this guy that I read and idolized in terms of his writing, it's like, oh, now we kind of talk. And I'm like, so what am I going to add to this universe that this, this guy's already done it, you know? So um, I think I come upon something really neat and the way it's going to work is issue one, obviously we have the little tease issue two. Um, it's going to be more how focused and then um, three and well, not three and four, then it goes into night terrors for two issues and then back to number three. And when we get back to number three, um, the Sinestro story hits the ground running in a way because I don't want, I'm not one of those people that want to belabor a mystery too long because if they're monthly, you know, who wants to wait a year to find out of something? You know what I mean? Like, it's like just in terms of as a fan, I'm just like, let's get going. Come on, come on. <laughs> so I don't think people will, I think it, I'm going to try to keep it as much of a slow burn as I can, but I'm also not going to be like keeping everybody in suspense for three years, you know? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that about your, about your writing, um, Jeremy, because um, everybody has their own writing process. And so this is not to take away from everything, but 
there are a lot of books I think that decompress storytelling. And I appreciate like every time I read one of your books, you, you're not holding out on the audience. Um, you're, you're not, you never hold out on the audience. You, um, you, you like say, I guess everything you can in an issue. And then the next issue is still full of stuff. So I, I appreciate that because that's the type of writing I like. Again, that doesn't take away from other people who maybe extend their stories out and, you know, they want to belabor the mystery or draw it out. But I, I like the fact that you, you give us everything. It's like a full, I feel like a full meal when I read one of your issues. Well, thank you. I listen, I, I mean, with, even with the flash, what I tr- generally try to do is have like a bit of an arc and then have some jumping on points for people that could be re- like they, and it worked, I mean, to a degree. And I, that's kind of the X-Files Buffy model, right? Like, it's like, mm. uh, you know, jumping on points for people that are new or, or that are new and then hit something that's the overarching plot. And um, I have a lot of cool, or at least, at least I think cool stories I want to tell in the Green Lantern universe. And I'm terrified that sales will crater to the degree that I'll be like, well, that was a good six issues. Bye. You know, <laughs> What, uh, Joe, do you have thoughts on the Green Lantern book? We haven't had any chance for you to weigh in. I have a few, yes. Uh, like Keith, uh, I thought it was a great first issue, Jeremy. Uh, uh, probably your best since um, Flash 768. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. And uh, I'm an old school guy. I've been reading comic books since 1966. So Hal was my, my Green Lantern when I was introduced yeah. to the Green Lantern. Um, but over the years, I too became a big John Stewart fan. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I love Hal. I love what you're doing with him. And, you know, um, down to his last 50 bucks, sitting on the top of his uh, brother's trailer, uh, drinking drinking a soda. Back in the day, he would have been drinking a beer, though, I think. <laughs> but, well, you know, listen, I, I think it was originally a beer, but I got a, a note that said, nope. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So, but it reminded me of how back in the late 60s, the, the end of the Silver Age, who couldn't keep a job. He was a toy yeah. salesman. He was an insurance salesman. So I love that little touch. And then when Carol is explained to him, how he's an anachronism, you know, because nobody's going to, even the military's going to use drones to fight wars now. Who needs a yeah. fighter pilot? I immediately thought of Star Trek, Jeremy, and I thought of uh, the episode, uh, The Ultimate Computer and Captain Dunsell, you know, when Captain yeah. Kirk was referred to as Captain. So I don't know if that was, yeah. you threw it in there on purpose or not, but it, it resonated with me. So the, it was just a fun issue to read, a great setup, a great jumping on point, And I, I well, think I, I, Thank you. I, I think, I think Hal is, um, you know, he's one part Kirk. He's one part yes. Maverick. Uh, you know, weirdly, I was watching Bull Durham and I was like, oh, he's kind of Kevin Costner from Bull Durham. You know, he's yeah. he's, he's kind of like competent. Uh, just, you know, I don't know. It, it's just so different because it's like, I don't know. He's 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 not he's not Wally. He's not goofy and running around. He's he's kind of sure of himself and confident, but <laughs> <laughs> but he also his life's a wreck. I mean, yeah. and this is the thing, it's a wreck in the right ways. He's a military it's almost like he's a soldier that's coming back. And it's like, how do you come back and adjust when you've seen seen the things you've seen and done the things you've done? And how do you how do you and how did you give that up? Like why would you give that up to come back to Earth and you know live like you said, sit on a trailer and look at the stars and think about what what you could be doing out there? That's a that's a huge sacrifice, and you know that opens up to a different mystery. And I'm excited to explore it. I'm excited, sort of like when I took over the Flash. My first arc was really about exploring who Hal is as a character, um, getting to know him, and getting to know how to write him. And hopefully, people stick around because I think there's going to be a lot of fun callbacks to you know Silver Age stuff, and and yeah. and I want to have guest stars like. If I could have Guy in tomorrow, I would because I love Gardner. <laughs> uh, but but I want to take it slow. I want to do one thing that I think worked really well with the Flash was concentrating on a character and then bringing pieces of that character's world uh, to the forefront. To where you know, at least with the Flash, it was like it was Wally, Linda, the kids, and then suddenly you know Ace, and then it was like more Flash family, and then it became a bigger book. And at that point you're you're reading it and you're like oh look at all these interesting characters and it's not oh they all have speed powers it's like yeah but that's not what it's about it's all about how different they are in terms of people and and with how I, I really want to concentrate on how and carol and then and then hopefully fold in some other people and things and i i have some you know grand designs we'll see what that means <laughs> you know <laughs> further on 
No, that's fantastic. I, I like the I like building small and having that yeah. the hero rediscover himself in an environment he's he's that's changed on him. It's it's really great. I wanted to say one more, you know, because we want to talk to you about some flash stuff yeah. too. But I have to shout out your artist also. The oh. art is amazing. Zermanico oh, is ridiculous. When we did Flashpoint Beyond, I I, I didn't know who Zermanico was, and that's just because um, I'm an idiot. But uh, uh, you know, it was like we would get this art back from him on flashpoint beyond and i'm like this is a this is unbelievable and as a writer the fact is this is a visual medium and you know a good art covers a multitude of sins <laughs> and also my one of my goals is i want to write something that he's excited to draw if that makes sense like i can't imagine you know i always feel bad if it's like oh i did two pages of people talking you know and i'm like oh i feel like that poor guy you know i want to i want to get something cool that he could draw and luckily we have some really cool stuff he he literally is like my green lantern ring in a way it's like i'm writing this stuff and he he builds the constructs you know yeah i, I love his his how his how looks great the whole book looks great but his his depiction of how and the suit and everything looks fantastic so um, so let's uh, let's uh, transition to Flash because we can um, because we can get a little bit more into it because you've written a lot more of it. So yes. and audience will be a little more spoilery if you if you haven't picked up the Flash book. I don't know what you're waiting for, but uh, <laughs> but um, to go it's something I wanted to start with with your beginning run just to ask for like ideas of where you got for you know the initial arc. Um, it's very quantum leapy. Was yeah. that in your in your mind when you were oh, writing yeah. that? I mean, literally the first issue, he says, "Oh boy," when it was like, oh. you know. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, it's definitely an homage to that. I I think I had had that idea. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of comics, you just come up with you have ideas. All of us do, right? They just foolhardily let me in the door. <laughs> so, so when they say, "Like, you got any ideas for the Flash?" I'm like, "Yeah, I do," because it, I, it originally started out as kind of a Superman idea. I was I wanted. Um, but this this fits so much better because I was now playing with the speed force and the idea that these are, you know, even from the beginning, you know, talking about them as speed force conduits, you know, and, and the fact that it's like a television transmission. It, now it makes sense to me that he can he can go into these bodies because he's trapped in the speed force. But what we're really finding out is about the surge that, you know, obviously I was I was moving towards trying to. Uh, and I, I absolutely wanted to retcon Heroes in Crisis fully at the beginning. Um, and it's weird because, I, you know, there's this, it, 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 it is like no offense to Tom King because I think the book is really profound. I think Tom writes literature, honestly, and I write pulp in a way. Not, not like good pulp, like, you know, <laughs> like it's kind of silly fun, whatever, Edgar Rice Burroughs, that's kind of the hero stuff I'm into. And, um, and I really wanted to retcon it all because I felt like that was still the elephant in the room. And they mm -hmm. told me no. And I said, I'm going to do it anyway. You know, they said you could do, you could explain what the explosion is. I'm like, great. Okay. That's good. But I was like, I really want to save all these characters. And they were like, no, no, no. And you can see in the book, because obviously in one minute war, I call back to it. It's like, especially when Wally talks to gold beetle that I was mm -hmm. literally like, I wanted to do that a year and a half ago, you know? And, um, and they were like, no, you can't do it. No, I can't do it. And then that editor left. And then I was like, hey, 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 you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I knew I was going to move toward it and I knew I was going to do it in one minute war. And, um, you know, I think, you know, in retrospect, if I looked at one minute war, I wish I had another full issue before the end. I think that would have been, uh, so I could have some breathing room. I had this whole funny gag with, you know, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle running out of the cloning factory from Heroes in Crisis with the clone of Wally, and then her just walking right in to get like an entire gold bug full of <laughs> those characters and just like throw them out the bug onto the ground, you know, uh, because I wanted to save them all. And uh, I, I wanted Wally to save them all. And, 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 and weirdly, by doing that, I've codified Heroes in Crisis as having happened. And I actually weirdly think that was important for the character because now Wally is a person that has experienced the ultimate trauma of killing someone, of losing his kids and all that stuff. And he's come out the other side being with a message of hope and that it's never over until it's over. And you can hold out because, it, you know, to, you know, don't leave until the miracle happens. And, and I, I just thought that was like a real important thing. 
And that really defines, redefines Wally in a lot of ways. Instead of like, yeah, he didn't do it, but he still went through that trauma. He still remembers it. And then he then he understands, oh, this is great. If I would have ended myself back then, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known what I didn't know, you know? And um, anyways, I could go on that forever. No, no, it's it's that's fan fantastic. I mean that that the end of the first story arc where we talk about what is in the speed force and what the explosion was, I think was some of the most powerful stuff in the flash run. So thank you. Yeah, that they would yeah, the, the only thing they gave me is like you can have a conversation with Roy, and I was like or with the character or something. I said, can I have a conversation with Roy? Can they have a conversation? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, and I just tried to make that the best thing I could because I, and what got me even writing it was when Roy looks into Wally's eyes and he's talking to Ollie. And I was like, that to me was everything um, because I love that moment between those two characters too, you know? Yeah, it was it was beautiful. It's it's just as well written as anything Tom King has written. So I'm going well, to tell you that. Well, that's right. Say that, but I, you know, listen. I am I am the man that is the imposter syndrome. So I just sit there and I I marvel at all these guys and and you know you try to live up. I don't know. I mean, you want you want it to be good. And you, you hope it it's going to be good. And in some level, you're like, I don't care if you don't think it's good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean that was Batman Soul of the Dragon. I had so much fun making that movie with Bruce Tim and my buddy Jim. Like I had so much fun just coming up with stuff and writing it and put it coming together with everything that when it came out, I was like, oh yeah, no, there's going to be a lot of people that hate this because Batman quote unquote, isn't in this movie that much, you know? And but I was like, I don't care. <laughs> this is exactly the, like the John Carpenter movie with Batman that I, <laughs> I want to see. And at the end of the day, I have a Johnny Cage movie coming out and the same thing. I'm like, Listen, I get it. People are going to be like, I don't get it. And I'll be like, I totally understand, <laughs> but <laughs> I love it, you know? And um, and I would get that from people at DC. They would be like, I don't get this. You know, like uh, the annual number two, they were like, honestly, I don't get it, Jeremy. I'm like, I, I understand. I understand. You don't get it, you know? And I'm like, I do, and you let me do it. So suck it up, you know? <laughs> well, you've had such a great run with the fans on The Flash. You clearly you clearly had your finger on the pulse of the right decision. I mean, so much so that the Keith is with us that Keith, that book turned you around, right? That, that first arc or the first issue, right? Well, well, the whole thing is, um, Jeremy, I'm, I'm a huge Wally West fan. He's my favorite character in and out of comics. I've been, I've read every issue of his, I've read every flash issue that you can actually, you can get in print. Um, uh, you know, the exception of some of the golden age stuff. I love, love Wally. And so needless to say, from 2009 to 2021 was not a good time for Wally West. <laughs> yeah. So, so honestly, I, I can't thank you enough. Like, not only did you bring the character back, but you brought him back in a clever way, uh, a smart way, a fun way, and with this, like, a ton of heart. Thank you. Um, and love. It just felt like, you know, I know you say, like, I've watched, I've read interviews and listened to interviews where you say, you know, it takes a few issues or a little time for you to, getting ahead of the character. I felt like you had it with him like immediately. Um, and you kind of just ingrained that, that saying, you know, uh, don't leave before the miracle. That's going to be something that I think about with Wally West forever. It's, that's like, that's as prominent in my mind as, you know, my name is Wally West. I'm the flash, the fastest yeah. man alive. That's just yeah, there well, for me. You. And, um, yeah. Thank the you. annual was God, that was the, the, the annual with him and Linda, that was, um, I was gushing about that. I mean, that's oh. Joe. I gush him about almost every issue, but for, <laughs> do. Yes, for, me, the, for me, it's blink of the eye, yeah. the the uh, the annual two, and and really like tied with all of them is the uh, the father daughter dance issue, man. Oh. That's that's just oh. uh, that's well, like sure. a special issue. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I let you like what happened with that. I'm, I maybe I didn't tell you the story. I, maybe you've heard it, but. I was in the car and I was talking to my editor and I hung up the phone and my daughter, my oldest daughter was just like, dad, you know what you should do with the flash? And she went on for like a half an hour. And I was like, you know, honey, you should just uh, write your own book. And then I <laughs> stopped and I went, well, maybe you can write it with me. And I like called my editor back and I was like, Hey, uh, can my daughter write an issue with me? And they're like, sure. I'm like, awesome. So I got out the whiteboard, bought some snacks, showed her how, what a three act structure is. And she, came up with Dr. Nightmare and, and we had just come back from a daddy daughter dance not too long ago. And she drew all the, 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 the dreams and the nightmares. And we sent them to uh, Christian Duce and he did his versions of her, her art. And 
um, sadly, legally, I guess, uh, when the solicits came out, I was like, my daughter's name's not on this. And they were like, oh, yeah, we can't do it. And I, I got, oh. I'm, I've rarely been so mad. Um, but, you know, I, <laughs> I went to my daughter, I go, listen. And they said, we can, you know, if you want, we can shelve this issue. And, and then it just, it'll never come out. <clears throat> and I went to my daughter, I said, listen, these are the options. I go, one, they're either going to shelve the issue and it's never going to come out because your name won't be on it because they can't do it. Or we let it come out and I will immediately uh, tell everybody that you helped me with it. And, um, and she says, um, if it comes out, do I still get paid? <laughs> I was like, okay, okay nine-year-old. She was eight at the time. I'm like, okay, eight-year-old. She just wants the payday. I go, yeah, you'll get paid. She's like, let's let's get it out there then. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, smart kid, smart kid. That's such a heartwarming issue, though. It really is. Yeah, it's it's like, it was yeah. everything. It was everything. That Christian uh, 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 yeah. Dutch yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure how to say his last name. In his, his art's amazing. I we read it before. It's it's I, fantastic. I, 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 I want to see more of his work. Yeah, I'm actually sad I didn't get to do more with him. But but that was also that was the, that was the definitive issue for me that I fell in love with Ivory. Like that was oh, like okay, I get this kid. I love this kid. And then when I did the issue in the gem world, when um. Jay had an action log. I was like, okay, now I love this kid. I know who this kid is. And then Maxine Baker, I was like, I love Maxine Baker, you know? And I kept, I kept thinking they've just, they've just aged up so many kids in the DC universe. I was like, well, I got to make my own kid super team. And it was always going to be, you know, uh, there's a character, that, you know, a couple other characters that haven't arrived yet. And then getting to do one with the super sons was, you know, that was part of it too. I wanted to make, okay, what's this new, you know, young justice, super kids team or whatever, but I love the kids to the point that I became, and I am so invested in the flash when, when they said, Hey, listen, they want to go in a new tonal direction. And I was, I was crushed the literally like the first things out of my mouth were, please tell me you're not going to hurt the kids. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like they're real, you know, and I was just fighting myself just completely hurting or like I was like a divorce or something you know and I was really sad about it and uh you know uh it was only until I got to announce it to everybody that I that my focus really started to shift toward Green Lantern and uh so that was you know I I love those characters and that family I really do I was you can see me pushing into this kind of fantastic four incredible space with that character and I thought this would be really cool this would be a really cool thing for these guys to go on adventures together and do stuff so wow, wow. Fantastic. jeremy an observation and a question an observation is your run on wally is as entertaining and as historically important as wade and john's mm. i really mean that it's That's it was very, just fantastic very kind and very high praise <laughs> well you deserve it and jeremy how the hell did you get them to, to let you do belief issue 776 because that was amazing oh <laughs> You know, um, just we, uh, this is this the um, uh, the interactive uh, issue where you got to blow yeah, the yeah, cameras yeah. and turn the book around. <laughs> so, so I'm I've been thinking about that. I always thought in my back of my head before I was doing comics, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I was reading a Doctor Strange book and he turned to turned the audience and said blah blah blah, and I was, and so <laughs> it was kind of in the back of my head, and then and then I was like, please, you know, hey. I want to do this interactive and and I have to say like Mike Cotton, who is my editor, original editor, he, he did let me take a lot of weird chances. And and this is the thing that first run uh, is, is bananas. The things I got to do. I Kevin McGuire drew a like 10, like that's everything to me. I, I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, I did this super friends thing where he jumps into the, the reverse flash and it's so silly and ridiculous. And they let me do it. And it doesn't matter if I get fired tomorrow because that happens. <laughs> you know, like, um, but the one with belief, um, I, I, I was so excited about it and I printed off the pages and I was like, it has to be printed this way for it to work, you know, and I'd send them video and it was like, it came back wrong. I'm like, no, you can't do that. You know? And, uh, I was really, really nervous about it. Cause they didn't do it. They didn't. I was like, Hey, you got to in digital, you got to tell people to lock their screen and, Oh, we can't do it. I'm like, okay, I don't know why. And I'm fairly new still at this point. And, um, uh, the only thing that drives me nuts is in the floppy coffee, the floppy copy. Um, you know, they would turn the page and it would be like a house ad. I'd be like, you're killing yeah. 
Like you're yeah, killing me, right? you know? Um, but it was so fun to do. And what was even more fun, it was not just that. It was like, okay, now you have to go back at the end and find the glyphs. And that mm-hmm. became this whole thing where people were like, I can't even find them. And Fernando, who did the artwork, unbelievable. Uh, when he sent me the artwork, I was like, I can't find them all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they were there, but I was just like, this is killing me. And I, people were telling me like, I, I looked through this book for a half an hour. And then they finally see, they're like, oh my gosh. But that was just a certain amount of like, you know, you read a book and it's it's over and done with. But this was a book that had this kind of weird, uh, uh, you know, shelf life that people could look at over and over again. And it was such a fun this one guy sent me a picture of his uh, computer screen broken because he tried to flip his computer screen. Oh, and no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> but it's so much fun. And and that was a, another mark of obviously my running away. I, um, you know, originally when I started, they said that DC continuity was kind of like everything that's happened has happened. So I, I really, I really wanted to write wally as if everything kind of happened you know and mm-hmm. and the continuity was really up in the air a little bit and so i started using a lot of characters and a lot of villains and stuff that i don't i i don't know if it's just because it feels like sometimes other books are siloed like they it, there's not as much use of other characters they're not much oh yeah this character's in this book today and this you know it, it, this is really fun for me to be going okay i'm gonna have Mr. Terrific doing this and then Superman's going to show up here and, uh, you know, Eclipso is going to be doing this. And, and uh, I had so much fun just kind of adding and playing with, and then being able to make my own characters is a whole other level of, uh, you know, wishes come true, even though I haven't, I haven't been aggressive at it, but I've always tried to make a character that's really fun, whether it's Omega Bam Man or Gold Beetle or whatever. It's like, I want it to be something that's kind of like, Oh, this character is kind of interesting. I want to see more, you know? You brought yeah. back Starbreaker, right, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go. I, I'm like pouring over who's who, and like, who can I use? Who can I not use? You know, looking up things, and uh, oh, that character's really cool. That'll be a really cool character to uh, play with. And you have to use somebody that you're hoping no one else uses, and it's somebody maybe that that old timers like me would go, oh, I know that character. You know, this whole time we knew it. <laughs> that was awesome. And he was a cool guy. And when Fernando drew him, I was like, oh man, he's spooky. He looks, he yeah, does look right. like yeah. Dracula or something. Yeah. It's great stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I just, you're writing. I, I never really cared for the character, Mr. Terrific. I love him in your book. Uh, I really enjoy Mr. Terrific now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wanted him to be Buckaroo Bonsai. That was my only thing. I was like, okay, okay. He's going to be Buckaroo Bonsai. I'm going to push him into that direction because I didn't, I don't, I don't get the Vulcan version of Mr. Terrific, you know, the like unemotional Mr. Terrific. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how he's always done. And when he first shows up at the the, like Jiffy Lube that he owns, uh, you know, and he and I'm like, of course he owns it. Of course, he. I have a I have a running list of all the companies he owns because they all funnel into his enterprises. And I and I just thought, yeah, this is cool. Like, if I can make him more Buckaroo Bonsai, like he just does all sorts of things, that'll be really fun for me as a character. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I have to shout out because he's also one of my all-time favorite characters who doesn't get used as much. Your the interaction with the Spectre and Wally was oh, one of my favorite things you you did, and the you. dialogue was fantastic. Oh, for, thank you, thank it, you. It was it was amazing. I, I got a little stuff. some. I got a little bit of flack on that. Like, you know, I'm a pretty religious really? guy, but like I. I I thought in that moment I'm like listen I didn't create the specter <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> like that's literally his job you know and and so um the I love the idea that you know Wally has seen I I've said this before but I think speedsters in general are outside of time and space inside the DC universe and I think Wally in particular knows and is very well of continuity changes and uh, mm-hmm. and uh I also like to think because of all that and all the trauma he's been through, there's a certain amount of hope and, and joy and, and whatever. And I, and I feel like I love the idea that when Eclipso, who is the former uh, spirit of vengeance for God is doing all this stuff. And, and, and if he is that and no, it, it's sort of like, I, I, how do I describe it? There was this great Peter, when Peter David was running and doing the Hulk, which I, mm. I loved, there's Rick Jones gets married 
And there's a great moment where Mephisto shows up. Like everybody's at this wedding, right? Like scrolls and, and Cree and everything. And Mephisto shows up and the Hulk realizes, well, if the devil's here, then so is God. <laughs> so in the same way, I was like, well, if Eclipso's here, then the thing that's protecting Wally, and I remember people were like, why is Wally unaffected? You know, it was like, well, because he's because he's kind of got this little shine on him, you know, and, and it was fun. And then to have him, of course, going like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> you know, he, he, he likes me? And then it's like, oh, man, uh, okay, I, I wait till, you know, wait till I tell Batman types. It's funny. I, I don't know. It, it was funny and it was touching and it was a real character moment for both characters. Thank both you. characters. Yeah. So um, well, listen, I'm a big fan of might show up a Green Lantern because, you know, that was how oh, yeah. Al's former oh. job, you know. <laughs> so oh, that's right. Yes, I look forward to that. I, I'm always good for Spectre. I know he doesn't show up that often, but when he does, uh, I'm always happy when a writer uses uses him well. So, yeah. so thank you for thank you for doing that for the character, oh, yeah. for both characters. Um, one of our other co-hosts who, who sadly could not be here, but really wanted to be, he had a question for you of a of a writing question, but sort of pulling well a general writing question for you that I want to ask. Um, yeah. He was saying when writing characters who have so many incredible strong applications for their powers, like the Flash, how do you balance showing off that range of abilities without those abilities taking over the story? Uh, with the Flash, it was really hard because um, I wasn't like a super, like I wasn't like hardcore Flash guy when I took over, and um, it, it was it was you know I just read a bunch of stuff right and. Um, and so as I got deeper and deeper into it, I was always like, oh, I was scared because I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, this guy moves super fast. So technically no one could stop. No one could ever could defeat him. And and then that made me kind of move sideways into the Doctor Who element of it, of like, OK, so so if that's the case, then you have to put him on unsure footing. You have to make it so that. Like, have I seen Flash fight people with magic powers? Well, I don't. I don't recall. That's going to be interesting because how does magic? Magic's a different set of rules, right, than physics in a lot of ways. And um, it it became a challenge, but I don't look at it as a challenge. It became more exciting. Of like, ooh, how can I put him in a situation? Okay, now he's jumping through time. Okay, now he's you know. Uh, but I also think with Wally in particular, he's not like Barry. He doesn't just speed punch you before asking questions. There's a little bit of him and because of his trauma and because of what he's gone through there's a lot of empathy there so i think he's not going to go full bore and take you out he's gonna he's gonna see is this is this a person that i can talk to like you know is it is it like the rogues are there are there is there a human side to them that i can appeal to and um because i think he understands what it means to be broken in a lot of ways so it does it does push you in a more character way and as far as his powers I mean, if you look at my my run, he he doesn't use them as much as probably other runs. There's a lot more to it, and I, I, all I can think of is when I did the issue where he the, like the Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he gets Kid Flash out of Titans Academy, and <laughs> and it, and and I just kept thinking like, there's no way this guy that can move at the speed of whatever is just going to patrol Keystone City or Central City. And then that was like the boots on the ground speech where it was like, no, 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 I don't have x-ray vision. I'm not up there in the sky. I don't have a bat signal. I'm on the ground and I'm, I have this route now that I take because I patrol the, the world is like, oh, I don't know if I've heard that. And I really like that. I really like that, that he's there eye to eye. He sees the need on the ground. And I, and I just, I don't know the power. It ended up being like all that stuff became character stuff that I really enjoyed. Which is funny because I don't think of story character first at all. I think of plot first. And then when I get into plot, I start thinking of character. Whereas like Jeff and my friend Tim, they think they think character first and then they find the plot, which is a uh, totally different way of writing. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I always uh, you're one of the, like the first writers I've, I've heard like that's more plot driven. I always like hear writers say, "Oh, I'm character driven, and what the characters tell me is where I go." So that that's very interesting. Yeah, I I want a big. I, I try to get a big hook. I want a big idea. Um, you know, it's like a, you know, how do I put it? Like Terminator. It's like, oh yeah, this robot comes back back from the future to kill the woman that will give birth to the guy that's gonna save the future. It's like that's that's a big plot hook. And then it, it becomes this love story. It becomes about, you know, humanity and stuff. That's definitely how I go 
Uh, because I, I mean, the honest truth is, I don't know if any, I don't know if it worked. Every time I put out an issue, I'm like, oh man, I this is it. This is where they figure out I suck, you know. And it's, <laughs> every time, I'm absolutely terrified. When Green Lantern came out, I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know. I don't know if any I, in my head it works, but I don't know if anybody else will like it. And um, yeah, so it, that's a that's a that's a that's a writer thing too. <laughs> that's a human thing. The imposter syndrome of it all. Oh, well, you're like I said, we, we we you've earned a lot of goodwill with the fans, especially these fans. So whatever you oh, yeah. put out, we'd be very into. Um, Keith and Joe, you have a, a other Flash things before? Uh, I just want to. Um, I didn't want to like move off of the Flash. If there's some more Flash stuff you wanted, yeah, to I had. Um, yeah, I could talk about the Flash forever, but I will. I have one more question. I I um I'd love to know the answer to. Um, the about two, you know, a few issues after the opening arc, a blink of an eye, there. Um, Wally's costume was changed into the 2009 Rebirth costume, which was like a mix between his JLU costume and his yeah. 90s classic costume. Um, I was always curious, was that an idea of yours or editorial no, no. or upper come down from upper? Yeah, no, that that is, listen, man, I can barely dress myself. And so, <laughs> like, this is, this is one of those things where I always am, like, deferring. I actually really like uh, Wally's costume with his hair coming out of the top, you know that. But, but I don't, I don't care enough to fight over it. I'm just like, oh, my boss likes this, and I'm like, great, okay. Um, and, and that's that's really the extent I I thought about it. Uh, and I I always try to get the artist's input on all that stuff because honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care enough about that in particular just because I, I suck at that stuff. <laughs> like yeah. I just, I just, I'm really, really terrible there. You know, the, the artists will send me back stuff, especially the Zermanical, like here are 12 different variations. I'm like, Oh no, like I don't even <laughs> see the difference. It's just, it's just all awesome. And I'm like, how do, how do I decide? I don't know. It all looks good. I, I'm, and as I'm wearing like the most mismatched shirt, you know, I look like, uh, you know, Ragman over here, and they're asking, for, you know, <laughs> they, what do you think about this color? I'm like, I don't know, it's a color, you know. <laughs> like, uh, so no, that wasn't that wasn't my decision. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I, I thought it was a great idea. I think it, it distinguishes him enough from uh, from Barry Allen. If you let's see if you get the coloring right, a little darker tone. Right. Well, you know, I always felt like I, I'm, I also feel like a lot of the way that I was writing. Wally was much more like the Justice League Unlimited version, you know, of Wally too, uh, the cartoon version that Michael Rosenbaum uh, did, you know, brilliantly voiced. Mm. Um, there was there was some of that too, and uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it is a weird thing that they took a character that has been the Flash for years, and then they beat the crap out of him, and then um, and then it was like, oh yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna make him disappear. I was like, well, I don't understand. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't understand. So that was always my through line. I was like, listen, as long as I'm riding him, he's going to be okay. You know, because <laughs> it was weird. It was it, because the fan base was like talking to a skittish, skittish puppy, you know, they're like, no, we don't believe you. You know, they were just flinching every time you would like say something and they're like, oh, here it comes. He's going to kill him. And now it's flipped to where <laughs> I see people, you know, every time somebody posts something about Spider-Man, there's like a Flash fan right under it going like, you know, guys, the Flash is having a great time with the family. You know, it's just like, oh, man, that's brutal. <laughs> uh, but it's true. I, Spider-Man could use some of that, some of the love that you're giving, uh, giving oh, Wally. Yes, yes. So yeah. he could use, he could use yeah. some of that love. So. Yeah. Poor Peter Parker needs uh, <laughs> or something else he needs right now. He's, he's in trouble. J- uh, Jeremy, um, Issue seven ninety eight, the most recent issue, uh, where Granny, where Granny uh, really good to snatch his Wade, the yeah. baby. There's a couple of references there. And I, you, before you said that uh, you believe that Hal's part Jim Kirk, and I totally buy into that. And yeah. Keith made this uh, observation to me off offline uh, the other day how you had that make it so reference. Yeah, uh, in, yeah, yeah. in seven ninety eight, and I also picked up a reference. I don't know if this is if the, you know uh, how many of our uh, listeners are going to realize this, but when the uh, fair play spaceship takes off to go rescue yeah. uh, with the terrifics and, and uh, to rescue the, the baby. Um, somebody says space res- space rescue ship is a go, and I really thought of Thunderbirds. Oh uh, yeah, well, I, I listen. I have a credit on Thunderbirds are go. The, I know. Uh, I watched that episode uh, this morning, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I um uh yes, there, all of that is in the mix. Definitely, Star Trek's in the mix. Mix. Yeah. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been planting the cap, quote unquote, captain aspect of that from the very beginning. 
when uh, Gold Beetle would call him captain and hint yeah. that they would go on all these ventures. And that was always something that was what I wanted to do post 800 before um, they told me I was going to be moving on. I had this, I had a, a kind of grander plan for that. And um, I was like giant spaceship Wally's in the chair. You know, there's, there's all of that stuff. Thunderbirds are go cat, you know, a lot of Star Trek. <clears throat> so, and you'll see a lot of Star Trek in the next issue, which is really 799 that comes out on Tuesday is, is really my last issue. The, the story that I have in 800 is definitely a one-off, just kind of fun uh, piece of the poll. It doesn't pick up on any threads. It's just kind of a fun um, addition. Um, but 799 is really kind of my last issue of the, the book. Do you think the stuff that you had outlined after um, 800 is, if, they, if you would get the opportunity to do Flash again, that'll be something you'll be able to pick up or it's hard to, oh, yeah. hard to say? Or... Oh, I mean... You'll see when you read 799, I, I leave a very open door for, uh, oh, cool. for, for what cool. I would love to love to do, you know. Yeah, very, very cool. I look forward to that. Um, so 20 years after Size Barrier does an incredible two-decade run, <laughs> I look forward to getting a shot to, uh, you know. I got I to gotta tell you, Jeremy, um, my initial thought when I heard the news, well, first, when I heard the news, I thought Wally was going to be done and they were going to replace him with Barry due to the movie right. coming back, but... I had this hope, and I still have it, about 10, 15 years ago, Mark Wade and Mike Ringo were booted off a Fantastic Four in the middle of an amazing run mm-hmm. because they were going to relaunch Steve McNiven and someone else. And the fan outlash was so much that literally they gave um, the other guys a new Four book, and they oh. continued with Wade and Ringo. And I'm still holding out hope. <laughs> As am I, Jeremy. That would that would be that would be a dream come true. But I don't. I also don't want to be disparaging the people that are. I seems like a really nice guy, and um, I don't. I I love. Like I said, I love Wally. I I literally thought I wasn't going to be able to do any more speed. And then Jeff came to me about um, the Jay Garrick book, the six issue Jay Garrick uh, part of the New Golden Age that we're doing, um, and I was excited about that because at least I get to play with. Uh, poppy for a little bit well i want to um i know we only have a little bit more time with you and i want to talk about something you brought up before um because you know like you said batman soul of the dragon it it was not like you know i i didn't i'm a big batman fan but it didn't stick with me right away but when i finally got to it it it's a fantastic movie it's <laughs> um you. The sound is uh, amazing. <laughs> it's it's a it's so i i'm a martial artist i'm a martial arts movie fan yep. Enter the Dragon is is yeah. my favorite martial arts movie, and it feels like you wrote a spiritual sequel to Enter the Dragon I mean, listen, with a little a little bit of Big Trouble in Little China well, in there. So, so you you, um, you totally nailed it. That's exactly how I approached it. I was like, I want to do Enter the Dragon meets Big Trouble in Little China because first of all, Big Little Trouble in Little China is one of my favorite movies, probably in my top two. Um, I'm a huge martial art guy. I have a black belt in Hapkido from like the Bong Suhan school of uh, martial arts. But but I've done martial arts. Uh, I was mercilessly beat up in junior high. And it was kind of, I always say, Jesus saved my soul, but martial arts saved my life. And I'm not even kidding you. Uh, you know, wow. um, it was, uh, I've been doing martial arts for ages and I'm a huge martial art fan to the point we're having a Writers Guild strike out here. And I was on the um, picket line the other day and I saw Thomas Ian Griffith, who I know from like excessive force and, you know, uh, hollow point and all these cool low budget, martial art movies when i was growing up and he's also in you know karate kid three and and i was like uh uh hey can you still do an axe kick like i was just such a little super nice but when it came to this movie what was interesting was i had been pitching i wanted to do an enter the dragon i go i really want to do an enter the dragon batman batman enter the dragon i think one of the things that dc they don't really do much with i maybe they do in the bat universe but like i'm a huge nut for DC Comics martial arts. They're so codified, they're so cool. And when Chuck Dixon was doing Birds of Prey and then Gail mm. Stone took over and you just have, you know, Shiva, Cassandra and, you know, uh, Black Canary, all that stuff, Oh Sensei. And so Bruce, Tim came into a meeting and he's like, I kind of want to do some 70s martial art Batman thing. And everybody was like, oh, Jeremy's been... You got to talk to Jeremy, you know, and I never really worked with Bruce and I, um, I was assured that I would get fired within the first day. Um, and then we, we met and it was like within 20 minutes, I'm having him pull up a scene from Lone Wolf McQuaid 
and because he didn't believe me that Chuck Norris is buried alive in it and opens a beer and like you know and, and, and our story meetings were like an hour maybe an hour about the the movie and then it was all, everything else was about oh have you read the destroyer book series i'm like no and i'm like reading them all and and talking martial arts and 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 all this stuff so it was such a glorious wonderful time to write it and then it, and then bruce was so specific about certain things and then as a complete martial art nut it was like oh my gosh uh, who should we get to be the voices? And I'm like, here's my list of actual martial artists, you know? And originally I tried to get um, them to cast Scott Atkins as Bruce Wayne. And they were like, no, Jeremy. And I wanted Richard Norton as one of the characters in the background. <laughs> and they're like, who's Richard Norton? I'm like, you guys are morons, you know? And I've uh, <laughs> got Michael Jai White and Mark Dacascos and Kelly Hu. And when when Mark Dacascos, I have a great picture with nunchucks and Mark Dacascos. And, and I'm like trying to be cool and absolutely failing and i'm like i'm a i'm a big fan and he's like oh thanks i'm like uh, i don't think you understand <laughs> i'm like uh only the strong crying freeman like you know uh, brother of the wolf i'm like he's like oh you're a real fan i'm like yes i'm a real fan uh i a nut a nut for that stuff so it is what it is the movie is what it is but i i love it <laughs> so I, I love it i love shiva i love uh, Chuck Dixon did a, a with um, Scott McDaniel did this awesome Richard Dragon series, and I remember reading that and being like, "Oh my gosh, Richard Dragon is suddenly my favorite character." And a lot of those martial arts stuff, man, I'm a nut for all the martial art DC stuff. Yeah, Jer it's Jeremy, real quick, uh, nerd question here: Lady Shiva versus Cassandra Cain. I I yes. actually think Cassandra, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> uh, I, I the Batgirl that first Batgirl series is so good, and her. Oh, her being raised to, you know, interpret people, like read people by their mm -hmm. body movements and stuff. And um, I, I, I just, I really like Cassandra Kane a lot. And I, I wish they had never taken away that awesome scarecrow-ish, you know, Batman outfit. And they would have uh, mm. kept pushing into that because they started doing some stuff like, oh, didn't, I, I stopped after like she she was part of the League of Assassins and killed people or whatever. I'm like I'm out, you know. Uh, yeah. And but I also but I also love that in the Birds of Prey that Shiva came on and she became kind of like her and Black Canary had this kind of like interesting relationship too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Cassandra came for me. I know, I know. Maybe that's that's crazy, but. No, I don't think so. Great. No, that's the Batgirl I started really reading. I found about Barbara. When I got to Barbara, she was already Oracle in the wheelchair. So that was yeah, the Batgirl yeah. that I, I started reading. And I so. loved Oracle as a character. I thought that was, a, I was like, why do you need changes? This is awesome. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So, well, I know we have to let you go in a minute. I just wanted to do a, a quick, like, lightning round thing. Um, sure. Maybe we'll have you on again in the future to talk about more. But because you've mentioned this in other interviews, who's your favorite Doctor Who? Who's your favorite? Uh, Doctor oh, Who? gosh. Come on, man. Uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, my first Doctor Who was, was uh, um, oh my gosh, my brain just shut down. Uh, my first Doctor Who was, um, oh my gosh, why can't I think for the life of me, Jelly Babies, Long Scar. Oh, uh, oh um, uh, Tom Baker, Tom you. Baker, fourth Doctor. Tom Baker was my first one that I really, really loved. Now, that being said, and then when Chris Eccleston showed up, I was like, I really like Chris Eccleston. Um, I really like David Tennant. I really do. But- the the pilot episode of Matt Smith is so good, it's and, so the, good, and yeah. the Vincent Van Gogh episode is so good. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say David Tennant. I'll say David. Tennant. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. But I, as a as a as a person who loves Doctor Who, but also a person who who writes amateurishly, I think that eleventh hour episode of Doctor Who is like is like the best pilot slash it's continuity so episode I've ever seen. It's so good. Uh, but then, like David Tennant, it's like I would show Blink to people as like a gateway drug to get into Who. Because it's so like, what is happening here with the the Weeping Angels? But I grew up watching like PBS with Tom Baker on it, and you know with the Canine and the Master and all. That. I was like, this is a weirdo show. And you'd watch it and you'd be like, I don't know. I feel like I ate something bad a little bit because it's creepy. The monsters were creepy, and I was like, oh, and 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 it was just it was foreign. It was shot in that strange like video uh, format. And my friends are real huge Hoovians, so they have they. They have way different characters. I forget who does the Venusian martial arts. Um, uh, that's one of my favorite, my friend's favorite. And uh, uh, I have this great Doctor Who story, but this is lightning round, so I can't tell it to you now. So anyway. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Joe, Keith, you have any lightning round questions before we wrap I, things up? I, I have one. 
Jeremy, Christopher Reeve, or Henry Cavill? Oh, I'm a Christopher Reeve guy. I knew it. <laughs> I, I honestly think that still is the the. It is a perfect superhero movie. That first one. Yes. I mean, it's it's literally like the t- by the time you see Superman, it's like 45 minutes in or something crazy. Right. Yeah. And and that heartbreaking uh, death of the dad, and it's just like there's some things you can you can save, and there's some things you can't. But but mm. everything in that movie. Uh, just his characterization of rolling the shoulders back and he grows a couple inches. But, but yeah. as a kid, when I'm watching him, when he finally comes to Metropolis and after he saves Lois and it's like that little montage of him, like taking out the, uh, the, the robbers that go on the boat. And then the, the cat, I remember well, the first time cat, I was tree, cat yeah. burglar and he like looks up like what? And I was like, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, say, man, that's a nice outfit. Like all of that stuff. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And Gene uh, Hackman is Lex Luthor. All that stuff, so phenomenal. And this is the thing: I I really didn't like Man of Steel when it came out. And then um, I've since gone back and kind of watched it with different eyes because I'm a I'm a nerd that is very reactionary. So, you know, like when I saw Phantom Menace, I'm like, how dare you? You know, but now, <laughs> now I, watch it, I watch it with my kids and they're like, man, Jar Jar is so funny. I'm like, oh, I'm wrong. Like, you know, this is this is not for me. And this is a movie for the age that I was when I saw it in some ways. And I'm not saying that there's not holes and problems and even with man of steel which the soundtrack man of steel is really wonderful um Mm. but i i i forgave a lot of problems that that i think i was just clinging on to because i do think the richard donner movie is so good that um it's such a i mean at least he was like i can't do that (laughs) you know so i'll do something else (laughs) Uh, that's great. Hey, Keith, do you have a lightning round question? I think I have a tough one. I think I do, at least, based on uh, what I know of you. Blue Beetle or Booster Gold? Oh, Blue Beetle. I, oh, wow. I, that was quick. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. I, the Charlton, it, it was modern comics at the time, but I, I, one of the first comics I bought for myself was it was Blue Beetle versus the Squids with the question as a backup before it was Ooh. Charlton Comics. And, I, and it's Ditko, Steve Ditko, which I love because – my dad had given me a paperback of Doctor Strange Ditko, and I was like, I don't know who this crazy artist writer is, but he's awesome. And so when mm-hmm. I when I read it, I was like, this is so cool and dynamic and fun. And it also had an element. I don't know if you remember this in the Marvel Universe handbook. Uh, Mark Grunewald, I guess, spearheaded that, and he would always do like schematics of things, right? Like schematics of Hawkeye's arrows yeah. or whatever. And even in this this Blue Beetle, it'd be like, here's kind of the schematic of his bug and his mm-hmm. gun and the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. And then I. I was, you know, we didn't have the internet, so I'm going to the library and looking, finding out about Dan Garrett, and I was like, this is a really unusual hero, a guy that became a superhero because his friend died and said, here's my magic scarab, and it doesn't work for him, and he's still like, well, I guess I, I made a promise, you know, and um, <laughs> and I love that run. I love Len Wein's run. Obviously, when they, he got on the Justice League International, that was a big deal. Um, and I remember, uh, I remember on the countdown to infinite crisis when they kill, I was so mad at Jeff. I told him this when I met him, uh, <laughs> I, it, it was both the best Ted Cord story I'd ever read. And it was, it, I was so mad because they killed Ted Cord. Oh, I was so mad. Um, and, uh, but it was a really, really good, uh, story. So I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big Ted Cord guy. I like Booster, but he's, he's. If it's a Laurel and Hardy, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like uh, Booster is kind of the the goof off more than than Ted. He gets lumped in with them, especially in Justice League International when they start buying like islands and doing stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big and I'm such a big Ted Cord guy that when they brought Jaime Reyes, I was like, how dare you? And, <laughs> and then you realize you're like, oh, I get it. Okay, I get it. Um, it, so much so that you can go on YouTube and I have, I have, uh, this is years ago. This is like 15 years ago. I did, <laughs> I did like a video just about the three blue beetles, you know, this was right after I was like, there are three blue. And it was a stupid when YouTube was fresh and new and I was learning how to edit things. And it was just this diehard love, love letter to, to blue beetle. So there's your answer. These are not oh, yeah. answers. for a lightning round. I am terrible. 
I have a t- no, those are <laughs> good stuff, Jeremy. That was fantastic. Well, I will. I, we won't keep you any longer. Uh, the, the last thing I can say, just to say how much I appreciate your work, is that I have. I have just been for a lot of reasons uh, not been buying comics in the last few years, just yeah. because of price and expense and time. But you got me to go out and buy books again. Woo-hoo! So awesome. So, so thank you. Well, thank you. Um, and listening audience, if you like, you can get Jeremy's work any comic book store, Barnes Noble, Amazon, anywhere his work is, and I advise you to pick it up. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for being here. I can't tell you what an honor and a privilege it was to speak to you today, and I'm sure Joe and Keith feel the same way. Well, thanks. Um, Very much so. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. Great Jeremy, when I read your stuff, I'm a ten year old kid again. Oh. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. No, listen, yes. when I write my stuff, I'm a 10-year-old kid again. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like sometimes I have to say it with the way, I mean, listen, this is not taking, again, from any artist yeah. or any type of media, but um, your stuff is fun. Thank and you. sometimes you have to emphasize that there is fun in those comic books. Um, as, you know, as much as I like the dark and gritty stuff, you right. always there's always something fun. No, right. On. I want to be able it to be something. I kind of want it to be a a place in a store like that, that, that if a, if a parent came to a comic book store and said, Hey, what can I read for my kid? Or what can my kid read? It's like, you can read this. It's, it's what X-Men, what I shoot for is like that X-Men growing up. It's like, it, it was, you know, there was stakes and exciting and whatever, but it wasn't so graphic in any particular way that I would get in trouble for reading it. And I, I really think that, that I don't mind all the, the dark gritty stuff, but I think there has to be other stuff too. And, and yes. I really wanted to make it a, a book that anybody could come to and anybody could read. Absolutely, yeah. If we still had the comic book store, uh, we, we'd always be we'd be always be able to recommend your book <laughs> to a young kid coming in. So, so that would yeah. be that would be that's something good. So, so uh, listening audience, thank you for joining us for this amazing episode. Again, pick up any of Jeremy Adams' books if you haven't already. If you're listening to this podcast, I can't imagine you haven't, but please go out and do it. And if you have any thoughts about the things we've spoken about today, please put them in the comments section when we post this episode. Uh, We thank you for listening. And once again, thank you, Jeremy, for being here. And uh, we will talk to you on the next episode.